0: So we'd like to welcome everyone back to the Nova Society. And today we continue our conversation with Dr. Stephanie Hampton-Cradle as we discuss Bonhoeffer's theory of stupidity, how it relates to the United States, and in many ways, what is it that we as a nation are so afraid of? So let's listen in.
1: That's what I call being woke, okay? That means aware. And if you're not woke, um, then sometimes you'll run the risk of you know, being made aware in a very negative way, where you know, i you know, you're you're parked in the parking space, and someone with a targeted disability or need access to a particular building, and they may be a wheelchair user, but you decided to park there, and so I think for me, that is what I try to do for people, regardless um, yeah. of you know, that's that's one that's one group of people I believe that we can use to say shouldn't you be woke when it comes to that? Shouldn't Absolutely. you be woke when, when you are building a building and that building is not accessible for someone who has a disability? Uh, shouldn't you be woke when you're planning an event and you, um you, you plan it in such a way that someone who's hearing impaired can't fully participate and can't enjoy the benefits of that, of that event. That's what being woke means. So if you, wouldn't want me to be if you would want me to be woke when it comes to like maybe your mom or your aging parent or your child with a disability then you should want to be as woke when it comes to other areas and other groups because certainly there are things that are happening in this country that adversely affect groups of people
0: oh absolutely and again when i whenever i go to the home depot and i see somebody parking to the handicapped spot I I, ha- I I can't resist it. I'll walk by and I get watch them jump out and you know they're running into the Home Depot and I'll say something like, Hey, you are handicapped. You can't read. Uh, <laughs> just just one of those things that make me absolutely nuts. I honestly think just by talking about it, there, there there's a collaborative effort you and I should get into. We should write a book called I Am Woke. I am woke and proud of it and proud of it and this is why I am woke why aren't you what a title for a book that would be
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, I mean just get past that, all the political rhetoric for this stuff uh I and yeah it's it it just amazes me that that people it, it, and I I don't know it's a, to me it's a cult mentality um th- there's got always a boogeyman I, I in 2016, the war on Christmas, uh, the war on drugs uh, all these wars that we fight I mean why do we always do it? why do we always frame it as such a social political battle that has to be addressed when the reality is is that it's a social issue that needs to be addressed and instead of going into battle and, and no military, can, can, can defeat these, some of these social issues, you have to go in and you have to take it from the source and it requires collaboration. It requires diversity. It requires cooperation to be able to beat it. I, I've, uh, I've always said, you know, people will say we defeated Nazism in World War II. And I always tell them, no, we didn't. We beat Germany. It's almost impossible to defeat an idea. And Nazism is an idea. Mm -hmm. And that requires a completely different mindset. Yes, we defeated Germany. Yes, we defeated the Nazis of Germany. But Nazism still exists today right here in the United States and around the world. We did not defeat Nazism. Mm -hmm. We defeated one country who was subscribed to it. But the the idea continues to live on. and, And that's this woke thing. How do you battle it? How do you, how do you get people out of it? Um, and it it is so difficult. One of my favorite, uh, theories is Bonhoeffer's theory of stupidity. Uh, it's a great theory. It's a theory from 1930. I think Bonhoeffer, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a clergyman in 1930 Germany. And he explained that stupid people were more dangerous than evil people. Because a stupid person you can't beat. Because they have an idea. And there's actually a YouTube video onto it, which is absolutely fabulous if you read it, and it explains, and it really, when you start watching it, you say, "Oh my gosh, that's us today." And that's why Hitler came to power it was because of Bonhoeffer's th- th- you know theory of stupidity, because people just you know gave up their ability to critically and analytically think accepted everything that came their way and uh it it, it's a it's a great it's a great uh great video that i would encourage everyone uh to take a look at and see if you can find some correlations between and i would say that the whoever put this uh this appropriations authorization bill out there whichever congressman or woman or group of that put it out there they are trying to enact Bonhoeffer's theory of stupidity on the masses.
1: And they—and here's what's worse than that, is their belief that a society is ignorant enough to embrace it. That is the ultimate travesty and the ultimate tragedy, to think that they would not look at this and accept it at face value. I, you know, when you talk about the things that annoy you, what annoys me are people who will not research, who accept anything anybody tells them as the gospel, that will not read for themselves. I think that that's where we have it. So anything that people say to you, we just swallow it, hook, line, and sinker. So they, they, they go out, they, they put the bait out there. We swallow it. And they yank us around until they never pull us in. They just yank us around enough um, so that we don't wiggle off their proverbial hook. And so we won't we won't read before we chomp down on an idea. We won't research. We won't talk to pe- people with opposing ideas. Uh, we won't. We are not comfortable in our own faith, in our own cells, and in our own intellect, so that we will you know, open ourselves up to hear a different opinion. And I tell people that all the time, I'm thinking if you have faith in something, if you truly believe something, then you will have the courage to have that particular belief tested. And if you don't think you can have it tested, then you truly don't believe in it. You don't want to hear anything. So no, you don't want people to be, uh, to be awake because you want them to accept uh, whatever you throw out there at them. You know, without any kind of movement towards research, th- um, towards educating themselves, um, to hearing another person's opinion, they you just they just want you to accept what they put out. And and I think I I want to encourage people to think again. Um, it's a great book. Uh, think again. Think. You know, for yourself. Don't just accept something that someone puts out there, especially if you see it on the internet. You you just you know you I get so many things on the internet about. Hey, did you know this was happening? And and I reach out to people and say, did you? How do you know that's true? Uh, What are you doing to make sure that when you pass on a message, that you're passing on true the truth and not something that has been fabricated uh, by someone whose main uh, purpose is to divide people.
0: Right. That's where you know. And and there is a difference between. And I I think people don't understand. There's a difference between misinformation and disinformation. Misinformation is you got it wrong and Mm -hmm. Hey, that happens. Uh, you know, we, we were talking about this bill. If we got the, the, the bill number wrong, that's misinformation. We just provided some misinformation. Okay. We made a mistake. Disinformation is, you know, it's a lie. And you're putting it out there for a purpose and for, you know, to, to be able to, uh, I I don't want to say, um, control, but to, but get people thinking in a certain way, Mm -hmm. that's disinformation. Uh, the, the election was stolen in 2020. Mm -hmm. No, it wasn't. Oh, stop. It was not. That's disinformation. You know, it's a lie, but it's just being put out there to, you know, rile some people up and, you know, have an excuse. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there's a a huge difference there. And I I think people, uh, they they use that, they they use those terms intertwined and it really isn't. Everybody gets something wrong. I mean, I've given lectures where afterwards a, a student quote and said, well, wait a minute, you know, you said that in... 1582, this happened. It was actually 1585. Okay. <laughs> Oops. Uh, my apologies. I, it happens. Uh, but that's not that's not in any way to make you think that 1582 is a reason to be more upset about something than 1585. It's not. That's not what it was designed to do. Disin- disinformation would be as if I tried to tell you that I had proof that uh, we did not land on the moon. That's disinformation. (laughs) I know that's Mm -hmm. not true. Um, but the fact is, is that I'm putting it out there. You know, the earth is flat. Here's the thing that surprises me. How many people believe the earth is flat? It's surprising the number of people that actually believe the earth is flat. I mean, I, I, it, it boggles me. Uh, and it has nothing to do with education. I we have I mean I know you and I had the same colleagues from, from our doctorate degrees. There's some of our colleagues and fellow students at the time that would say something and I would look at them and go, uh that that's a little alternate reality stuff. So it wasn't it, it wasn't it wasn't education. It was just it it's it's like a mindset that they get that sometimes education cannot You know, combat, and again, that's what it comes down to—the theory of stupidity. And Bonhoeffer said, "It doesn't matter how educated you are; it matters when how susceptible you are to disinformation." And then, what happens?
1: And some people are so susceptible to that. Oh yeah, that is, and that is my concern: is that we are have number one, we have an impressionable generation. We have children that we are indoctrinating, which I find, you know, just deplorable. And, and I think about what I want people to understand is what character at your core, what character um, flaws exist for someone who deliberately does that. And, and, and so in order for me to not point fingers, in order for me not to, you know, to feel like, okay, that I don't want to demonize anybody, you know, and I think we do, we do enough of that. We tend to demonize people. And is who they are these people are just you know so bad that they should be you know totally separate from the mainstream of society i think that's because of fear and and that's one of the things that i really think is that there are fearful people that if left to ourselves if we did if we weren't antagonized and stirred up and and fed bull crap that somehow we would come together and and so, with the political process, there are people who believe that their political agenda is furthered by polarizing people. Uh, oh, they definitely. get what they they get what they want by doing definitely. that, and it's unfortunate. But I, you know, my approach is help me better understand. So I'm of that you know seek to understand rather than to be understood. So let me seek to understand yeah. why you're why you feel this way. Why do you think this is necessary? Why does this merit a bill? Why does this Need to be in the defense um, appropriations bill. What is it? Because I'm concerned, and I'm willing to listen.
0: Yeah, and that and it, that that is like a, a very rare thing. that is a very rare thing today. Somebody willing to listen,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I, I think if more people to. were willing to do that, we have. I, I guess I I look back at this, and uh, being from the '60s. Um, I don't remember us being this afraid as a nation. I just don't remember the United States it being this or scared, externally. uh, internally. I mean, we were always external because I remember the days, uh, where, you know, when you're in school, you had to get underneath the desk because the Russians were going to bomb us. I don't know who thought that getting underneath those little desks was going to save anybody, but Hey, it was something you were doing. I remember those days. But internally, we're afraid of each other, and that's that's the that's the thing that just boggles my mind. Is we are afraid we
1: of that. That that's, that's a little cultural.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, I agree. So yeah, that's a little, that's a little cultural because when you think about the '60s, where I lived in the South, um, I think there was always a fear i lived in an area in the south where we had billboards that said you know hey n-word don't be caught here after dark um and so that's that's been that's a that has been something that has been a part of the culture for a lot of people of color in this country you know during that time period it's a fear of you know what will happen uh, to me? Will I go someplace where I'm not treated well, where I'm harmed? And I, I think as an, I believe I got beyond that. I mean, I don't, I I got to the point where I didn't feel afraid, as afraid, you know, as I did when I was in the 60s and my parents, you know, coddled me and kept me very close and we could, Couldn't go places, and we didn't go to certain restaurants, and we didn't stop and go to the bathroom in certain places. I I still remember those things, but I got beyond it.
0: So I'd like to thank my guest, Dr. Stephanie Hampton Cradle, for joining me again for this conversation. And in our next episode, which will be the final of this series, the conversation turns a little bit more personal as we both relate back to our experiences growing up and our experiences with the different cultures that the both of us came from. And I think it'll be a very interesting episode, so we hope you'll join us. So, that's all the time we have for today's episode. We'd like to thank our sponsors, the JCIS, an open journal for upcoming scholars. The JCIS is currently accepting article submissions for their fall 2023 edition. Call for Papers information can be found in the description. The Phoenix Group, an independent research consortium, offering solutions for social issues through multidisciplinary and unbiased research. And BH Conflict Resolution Services, a full-service dispute resolution firm offering expert And cost effective mediation services to couples, groups, and businesses. BHCRS can be reached at www.bhcrs.com. We'd like to thank our podcast partners Buzzsprout, who hosts the Nova Society, iHeartRadio, where people get their music and podcasts, Apple iTunes, the largest source for music and podcasts on the internet, Spotify, the most popular source for the Nova Society podcast. Finally, Podkite, our analytical partners we'd like to thank all of our listeners if you have a comment question or would like to be a guest on the nova society we can be reached at nova.society.podcast at gmail.com we'd also like to remind everyone that the nova society podcast is now available on our new youtube channel we encourage everyone to check out the channel and like and subscribe the link can be found in our description remember the power of society is knowledge. So for Dr. Brooklyn Ann Weldon and all of us here at the Nova Society podcast, I'm Dr. Mark Bound. Be well, and we hope to see you again next time.